When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is a distinct pleasure of the management to present you to the evening star attraction. Here we are back after our exclusive two-year tour as a serious disc agreement from Sydney, Australia, the physical media show on an omission from VOD, starring Finding <laughs> Drago and Total Reboots, Alexi Toliopoulos, and One Heat Minute and Zodiac Chronicles, Blake Howard, the Blues Brothers. The Blues News Brothers. <laughs> Welcome back, Lex 2022. Discs are spinning. Mm-hmm. Piles of movies to watch are just intimidatingly tall and precarious and teetering. How the hell are you, my friend? I am electrified with powerful energy all the way from heaven sent to discuss <laughs> The most exciting form of physical media. Of course, I'm talking about the Blu-ray disc, baby. (laughs) Oh, and do we have a show for you to kick off this year in physical media? We are starting back with basically a catch-up episode. A couple Mm -hmm. of episodes coming in hot on Umbrella Entertainment's Oz exclusive and prestige sunburnt screens. We have four incredible films that are going to be coming over the next two episodes here Mm -hmm. on the Blues Brothers, formerly a Series 6 agreement. We've got really, I think, four kind of essays, different essays and different takes on sexuality Mm -hmm. in this country and i think universally after watching the four movies we're talking about i'm like oh i kind of get why we're so fucked up what is your (laughs) relationship uh so far with some of the films we're going to be talking about in these next two apps well mostly uh it has been kind of exactly what it has always been with sunburnt screens where they are releasing some of my favorite films of all time films that i consider genuine essential classics of australian cinema that mean so much to me on a deep level uh one of the examples of that coming up is a all-time favorite of mine which is head on uh a movie by anna kokinos that is based on a christos Solkis novel both the novel and the film growing up for me meant so so much about like representing uh greek australian culture and greek australian life and also like sexuality modern sexuality that comes up against like the the traditional norms cultural norms of like traditional greek culture uh so that means a lot to me and i'm very excited to talk about one of my favorite movies ever but the rest in this batch that we're talking about um are discoveries for me uh, the Devil's Playground by Fred Skepsi is a film that I'm familiar with but had never seen before. I'm a big Fred Skepsi fan. I think he's one of our finest filmmakers. And it's his debut film. Very excited to talk about that. And Shame, starring Deborah Lee Furness. My Lord Blake. Never even heard of this movie before. I, I never even heard of it. I started watching it uh, on, on my break, which was very, uh, very light on. As far mm. as movies, I threw it on. It's directed by Steve Jordell. 
And I'm like, oh, let's let's see what this movie is. The cover is kind of deceptive. It's got a bit of an ausplatation feel. You mm-hmm. see Deb Deborah Lee Furness there, leather jacket. Eighties She's- vibe, leather jacket, kind of electric smoke behind them. Yeah, absolutely disgusting haircut. And you're like, I wonder what kind of like, you know, badass revenge thriller have yeah, I got I'm like, coming up. Mad Max kind of <laughs> shit going on with this. Is but a motorcycle, tru- babe? <laughs> Truly uh, an astounding and impactful movie. I can't wait to unpack. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and start talking about, I think we have to kick it off with shame. This town has a secret. A dark Shameful, well-kept secret. (laughs) No one talks about it. They've just learned to live with it. It takes a stranger to explode the silence. How far is she going to take this? This time you're going to jail. And get them to fight back. You really, Liz? Really get them all? No sense in leaving any out. Then I will too. Get him, Liz. Get your girl to drop it, Tim. I could charge you. Charge me? And when will you start on the fun-loving boys? In a town divided by fear. It's a pity she didn't finish you off. He's smiling. He thinks he's got you right. Lift your knee up right into his balls, do you understand? I didn't bring her up for this. Do you think I like it? Do you think I like watching every shadow and jumping at every sound? They are fighting to escape the shame. A stranger. Asta Cadell, played by Deborah Lee Furness, she limps into an outback town after a mo- motorcycle accident, and she starts to try and fix it with the uh, with the help of a local mechanic. And as she is there, she's drawn into this town's toxic culture, which is ultimately, you know, just it's a gigantic boys' club in the worst possible way. And we see that in this town is just this. There's a facade, a facade of like this up, upright, upstanding country town in Australia, very sort of white, um, Anglophile, like little kind of uh, mm-hmm. isolated community. And you just see that so many of the women of all ages are either by, you know, sort of flagrant omission, <laughs> just ignoring the chaotic and toxic culture there, or are silenced victims of this I- I- incredibly... Uh, um, you know, tormenting environment, and I, I watched this. It's it's now the the thirteenth release in sunburnt screens, um, and and really for the first time on Blu-ray, it's got a stack of extras which we're going to cover. But mm-hmm. um, I have to I have to tag onto what Lex said. I was just this was out of this batch. Truly, I mean, other than Head On, which I'm extremely familiar with, a big discovery for me, and and genuinely, I was I was just shocked completely by how incredibly relevant this movie is despite yeah. all of the aesthetics of the 80s and all of those dated elements it feels so raw and and really trying to incite something and so mm-hmm. um uh, i was just mesmerized by this and i it, it was really something that it took me a while to get over lex what, what did you think of shame 
Yeah, I am with you, Blake. I absolutely love this movie. I think that is essential. This is like an essential Australian movie. It goes into the canon for me. Um, it reminds me of two films in particular. One of them being a film that I believe it, it derives its title from. It reminds me so much of George Stevens' Shame. Yes. Uh, the Western. Um, it has so much of that like element of like stranger riding into this isolated town. Uh, yet... The movie that most sings closely to for me um, is the all-time Australian classic, Waking Frights. And I yeah. think these two would be a really tremendous double feature if you really want to feel depressed about your home country. Um, <laughs> yes. it, because they... Uh, Waking Fright, of course, is like a, a classic... Um, almost horror film in Australia that like points to the toxic it's- masculinity and bigotry and uh, drunken culture of the Australian outback. And I feel like shame really is a commentary on that exact same to- toxic masculinity a decade over a decade later. Um, but from this entirely new perspective of a female an empowered female perspective combating it all. And I, I think that, it, to me, together with Wake and Fright, it makes this an essential text that should be seen by Australian uh, film nerds. Like, absolutely essential text, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I, I think you now... I, I remember you texted me about this, saying about that pairing, and I, I, I've been thinking a lot about Wake and Fright recently because of this whole, what seems like a super contemporary phenomenon of, like, prestige horror, right? These mm-hmm. these horrific movies that are really anchored in a reality, and even if they do get to mm. the kind of metaphysical, it's always, you know, anchored in real-life trauma and things yeah. like that. And I th- feel like Wake and Fright is, like, the prototype of that and, time, yeah. and such an outlier and, and so far ahead of its time. And so... What shame does is it just adds that extra layer of reality that almost like synthesizes and strengthens the themes of Waking Fright in a way. And yes. and yeah, like you said, the it makes it so much more perilous despite the fact that she's an empowered woman. It's still a, an all the more perilous and hostile environment. Every woman in the town feels threatened. This empowered woman does feel the threat, but like, you know, she feels more equipped to deal with it. Mm. And and I just, yeah, I, I look at this and truly... Um, deeply incisive um, and critiques of Australian culture because I think that, you know, what we can all collectively agree on is that, um, you know, Australian culture and who we are is like a battleground. And what's been cool about Sunburnt Screens is um, is, is seeing those different, the, the evolution of Australian culture as it's depicted in these films. And I just, I, I love that this is kind of completely fearless in the way that it depicts um the kind of awful nature of that so yeah i i i was so stunned by this movie and it's definitely one of the toughest hangs you are going to have um, in an australian film but i think that the 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 message is resonant and it's not like a tough hang to heroin addicts in love kind of tough hang it Mm. is just it, it it's it's so impactful because you see the symptoms um of this town uh, in in your life, you've well, I, I can say this for myself in like smaller communities I've lived in. You see this toxic culture, you see this drinking culture, and you see the worst 
um, obfuscation of of that culture and what it does, like people just remaining silent about all the bad things that happen and and do it for their own sort of uh, their own safety and their own uh, you know self preservation and and I love this outsider coming in and just sort of kicking the door down and, and casting a light in this sort of shadowy place and um, yeah I, I really had such a great time with this and so for me I was just like wow I've I, a had never heard of it and b you know, on a pure discovery level, I'm like, this is something so essential. Everyone, everyone needs to see this movie. Yeah, and I also have to sing huge praise to Deborah Lee Furness. Um, she's in a few classic Australian movies, like even more recently, like Blessed from about a decade and a half ago from also Anna Kokinos, who we're going to talk about later on. I think Deborah Lee Furness is a, a beautiful and unheralded Australian super talents and yes. this is a movie that really reawoken that feeling for me so because she's a great great actress but she's almost become obscure uh or like, yeah she's you know, just like the co-star of hugh jackman's instagram right now but she's like a titan right like exactly. she's like the coolest like because her husband is one of the most famous men in the world i think that <laughs> like it, it's obscured her talent a little bit and when you go back and watch these you're like holy shit she is an incredible actor an incredible talent and like this is stuff that we know we know that here in australia but just watching it again i'm just like oh my god i would love her in any other country a talent like that would not be squandered she'd be like no. the lead of a prestige hbo crime <laughs> thriller or something i mean yeah. freaking hell get her on a big tv show like get get, get her on our mayor of east town where's our mayor of east town exactly. Absolutely like, it, Blake. Like, even yeah. if they just adapt this, bring this character back, something. Like, yeah, I think because that she is freaking a rock star in this movie. Totally. And, uh, you know, I think her character, um, her character, Asta, is actually a lawyer who's on this sort of gap year traveling around the country on a motorcycle. And this is where she comes upon this town. And, you know, she's having a bit of an existential crisis. But, like, seeing her come back... Um, as a lawyer in a big town or as a lawyer in a small town or being called into a town or something like that. It just feels like it's so ripe, you know, for mm. things with IP um, and having that little bit of connection and and and, um, and a pre-established set of rules to as a leaping off point. But, yeah, so great. Has a stack of extras. There's interviews with, you know, all new interviews, in fact, with yeah. Jordell and Michael Brindley. Started going and, through those. They're, yeah. they're, it's pretty fascinating, especially for this movie feeling so obscure. It's awesome to have such a packed and stacked disc full of extras on it totally and one of my favorite bits and i watched this just as like a people watching thing is the premiere the footage from the premiere from yeah. abc tv <laughs> just looking at all the dresses and stuff like that there's some great twitter accounts that are like 90s premieres but this is like pure 80s premiere it's so great it was made in 88 so like um right on the cusp there the 80s and 90s and uh yeah i had had a great time with it um let's let's take a quick break before we dive into the next one which is Fred Skepsis, The Devil's Playground. Wet the bed again, Alan. Alan! You're an idiot, Alan, what are you? An idiot, brother. Right, now that's enough. <laughs> Do you know what wet dreams are? Yes, brother. <laughs> It must breed sick attitudes. What if God isn't there? Huh? I've very nearly lost my life because of you and your weakness. An experience I could well have done without. Oh, don't let's go through all that again. 
The Devil's Playground from 1976, the directorial debut of Fred Skepsy, a powerful drama relating the intimate aspect of teenage boys and their priests slash educators behind the walls of a religious institution where rigid discipline backfires, natural feelings are deemed unnatural acts, and human lives are controlled in the names of good intentions. This was a first time watch for me, Blake. I am familiar with many of Fred Skepsy's films uh, from his... Uh, Australian Outback classic, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, Amazing. all the way up to Roxanne, starring <laughs> the great Steve Martin. Uh, and one of the greatest nose prosthetics of all time. Oh, one of the all times. And also Fierce Creatures, another one that I really like from really Rich Gepsy. Really good. Um, he's a director that I have a lot of respect for because he like rides that line between sensitive intimate dramas like this and Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith and The Cry in the Dark, a.k.a. Evil Angels, and also, like, broad, exciting comedies from, like, the 80s and 90s. Um, so he's a director I very, very greatly admire, a very thoughtful man. And uh, I had always had this film on my radar, especially because back in my video store days, there was a DVD restoration, uh, I believe, from Umbrella as well. And I don't know why I just never watched it until this disc came out, but I'm so glad I did because I cannot believe what a delicate film this is. Mm. And whenever we have those films that are about like reminiscences from a male perspective, especially in like these all boy environments, there's something so interesting in that line they have to play of like male. Uh, sexual discovery and that self-discovery and a lot of it is little boys whacking off and stuff <laughs> in like precarious situations but I think the delicate nature of this film in it being these young boys that are like discovering themselves and discovering their bodies in the same environment and like this movie I cannot imagine being so delicate anymore no. um, because of things that have been discovered about the church uh, the Catholic Church, that is, um, that uh, it's this, they're, they're, these boys come of age sexually while, oh my God, I don't even know how to say this. It sounds so bad now. <laughs> uh, but then like the repressed sexuality of these priests around them, the way yes. how delicately these two things are in balance with each other in this movie, it is fascinating. And it's so sweetly done in this film that it's like a complete one-of-a-kind unique movie. Yeah, it, it. you said a couple of words there that I want to tag on. Thoughtful and delicate. And I just, it, for a 95-minute movie, it absolutely screams past you, but it also mm. feels very immersive. And, and so lived in. Very lived in. And I think it's largely to, you know, the opening 
what feels like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie is just so prepared to immerse you into the world before any of these explicit details emerge and have any sort of character associations. And so what I loved here is just like, it felt so verite in that you're just watching these kids do stuff and watching these priests interact with them and watching how really true to life, life and death, the stakes of sin feel for these young men because they're all in a seminary training to eventually be priests. They're all on the borderline of are they keeping uh, up with the moral fiber of what they're outwardly required to do to continue to participate in this education. Um, But also then like exactly as Lex was talking about the difficulty of which, you know, talking about, which is like that there is a, there is a, a social and cultural and moral quandary at play with these priests. And it's looking at them not being bad priests, not being predatory necessarily, but more mm. just being men who are interested in women. So it's got a good sort of hetero um, uh, normative sort of bent on it. And it's also got like kids just, you know, essentially isolated and locked up and what that kind of strange, weird torment eventually does to young minds. And so it's really fascinating. I really enjoyed its its flaws I re, uh, as in the characters depicted. Mm. I really enjoyed the pace with which it went through. And, you know, for for all those sort of like crazy completists out there um, with, you know, different directorials, you know, directorial uh, parts, however you organize your Blu-ray. Some people I know alphabetized by director, if they're real nerds, maybe like mm-hmm. Lex and I sometimes, um, you might want all of Deshepsi. So you like, you're kind of like getting them all out there, but man, I was just really impressed because it felt so, so lived in. And, and when you're comparing it directly, contrasting it with shame um, and then you're talking, going back into the devil's playground, which is such a shame laden story. Um, It Mm. felt like really these weird manifestations of like shame is the outcome of these repressed rejects, like the rejects of this, of this life or the people who have to come tumbling out of it because they're so scared of sin and they just sort of abandon any kind of morality. And man, I I was just really impressed. I was impressed where it went. I was impressed um, with, with the central characters arc. I, I was just impressed. Just, it felt like, Oh, this is a guy who just had a real vision and, and, and learning a little bit since in some of the features, um, cause it's got, you know, it's a brand new transfer and there's some interviews and looks fantastic, um, looks phenomenal. And I, I just learning about that. It's semi autobiographical. I was like, this, this makes a hell of a lot of sense. Cause he, he just has such an awareness of all of the subtle interplay of that entire mm. world. And it captures like that feeling of being walled off from the rest of the world of uh, when you're a kid um, in these situations. I mean, I grew up in public schools. I never went to like a boarding school, but it captures like this real authenticity around it. And I think partly is also due to like a really wonderful cast of actors. There's yes. a few that I would love to like sing their praises. One of them being Simon Burke, who we yes. know, I mainly knew as like a play school presenter, <laughs> yes. uh, kids TV from my era. But uh, he is wonderful as one of the young boys in this, like really sensitive performance. Another actor, Nick Tate, who plays brother Victor in this movie. Um, I've just been watching him in the imprint TV box set of Space <laughs> 1999 and have become a big fan of him. But he is just like a great character actor that's appeared in like so many like off-center classics and TV shows. But also a surprise... 
appearance as one of the brothers, one of the priests, Thomas Keneally, who is yes. the author of Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith and Schindler's Ark, more famously known as the movie Schindler's List. I couldn't believe that he was in this movie. I, I, did, I, I did a quadruple taste. I was, I was exactly, like, I, I couldn't believe it was him either. beard combo? Come on. <laughs> I was like, wait, that can't be him. And I immediately did the IMDb while I was mm-hmm. watching second screen momentarily. I was like, holy shit, that's Thomas Keneally. Um, so, look, yeah, this is the this is a really good one. Um, you know, out, out of this uh, dynamic duo of flicks, I would say that Shame is the absolute must own, but certainly, um, uh, you know, 76 is a good movie year. I reckon yes, 74 dude. to 76. I think if you're if you're just navigating purely on years of cinema mm-hmm. that you maybe need to own absolutely everything, yeah. I think 76 is a, just a fucking banger. Yes, dude. Uh, always. <laughs> one of my best years at the Oscars, 76. 76. Um, I agree. And I think that I, I would say that The Devil's Playground is a surefire classic. Like it's an actual classic Australian film. Shame is a real surprise. Yes. Uh, it's obscure and I hope that it, it becomes less obscure with this like delicious disc release. Yeah, look, um, really special, both of those. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up before we dive into our second episode on this sort of uh, four essays of Australian sexuality <laughs> from Sunburnt Screens. Um, Lex, thank you so much. Uh, where where can people find you? I know you guys have got a brand new uh, series, miniseries that's coming up on Total Reboot. Yeah, it's starting very, very soon, if not already. Um, Cameron and I over at Total Reboot are doing a mini-series, perhaps even a mega-series, I'd say, called <laughs> mini mega. Millen- Millennium Mindfuck. We're we'll looking at <laughs> films at the turning of the new millennium that twist and turn in complex narrative ways, and we're kicking things off with uh, a huge one called Fight Club. Mm. I, I, I think I'm aware of that very director that uh, you yes. might be mentioning. You are acutely aware of this David <laughs> Fincher because, of course, you host uh, the Zodiac Chronicle and you're wrapping things up over there, right? Yeah, so uh, as of tomorrow, we are at the third last episode of Zodiac Chronicle. So when you guys are listening to this, may even be later in that night if you're listening to this first up. Otherwise, around the time you're hearing this in your feed, um, after the Blues Brothers, you're going to have the 20, oh my goodness, the 22nd of 24 Christ. episodes of Zodiac Chronicle. Christ. And in fact, it stars my Blues brother in arms, Alexi Toliopoulos, in this next episode. Finally. And his co-star, Cameron James. We're taught, we're going into the basement. It is currently the longest running episode of Zodiac Chronicle so far. The guest list includes Bilga Ibiri, Clay wow. Keller, Robert Graysmith himself, Holy Alexi shit, Toliopoulos, man. Cameron James, Maria Lewis. It oh is st- 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 stacked to And of course, the Cameron and I are the headliners <laughs> of this episode. We're the most important <laughs> guests on there. But we, this was a blast because we like really went in on Charles Fleischer. It's the basement scene. And yes. I've had like a lifelong obsession with Charles Fleischer. <laughs> and we went deep on him. The three of us even watched like his stand-up specials. And I know, to talk I know. About him. It's it's so fun. Um, I can't wait for everyone to hear it. It's truly uh, one of the you know one of the most intimidating episodes, but also one of the easiest episodes to tackle because the insights are just absolutely stacked. So, looking forward to having that out. So, we will catch you on another episode of the Blues Brothers, um, uh, and which is you know formally a serious Instagram. But we're going to catch you on the next episode. We dive into these two more sunburnt screens from Umbrella Entertainment. 
catch you on another episode soon. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.